Hello listeners, welcome to the premiere episode of Something's Not Right. Let us begin. On July 3rd of 1982, a 12-year-old boy named Henry Tucker was found dead under some large bushes in his town's park. The town was called Warner. Surprisingly, Henry's death didn't shock the townspeople. They had been expecting this for a long time. But the strange thing was that Henry Tucker didn't seem likely to die. He was healthy. Very few people disliked him, as he was friendly to everyone. And he had been taught well by his mother not to follow strangers into a van if they offered him a lollipop. Yet the people of Warner in New Hampshire knew that something would go terribly wrong. They had known for months. Ever since all the chickens in Ben Sheridan's chicken group had been hacked to pieces and a message written in their blood. We will come. The townspeople are waited for something to happen. When nothing did, they decided it was just some prank by teenagers. Months passed, and everyone forgot about the incident. It's about two months before Henry Tucker's death, when Sheridan's entire barn full of cows and goats was slaughtered with another message on the wall. Soon. This time only the least superstitious people of Warner believed that the killings and messages were pranks. They started to lock their doors at night and close their window curtains. Then, on July 3rd, Henry Tucker was found, torn and bitten to pieces, in Osborne Park. And that is where our story begins. Henry Tucker was mourned for on the 4th of July instead of any celebrations. Some people were angry that the town had canceled the fireworks display, but they were rebuked by others who were closer to Henry. But one of those people, Leslie Matthews, was out taking her daily run around the border of Warner. She always jogged around the town every day at exactly five o'clock. She would not go earlier or later, even if her best friend, Samantha Tucker, wanted Leslie to mourn her son with her. Leslie always ran at the same time every day. Everyone in the town knew that, and so it seemed did they. Leslie jogged around the coffee shop, always warm coffee, and approached the forest that bordered the east side of Warner. There was only a small patch of trees that she had to run through, but she always disliked it. Leslie would always glance at the darker patch of forest and think she saw something move within the shadows. Today she sped up to try and clear the trees quicker when a shine caught her eye. She stopped and turned around. A beautiful, bright, gold watch was lying on the forest floor. Leslie was intrigued. She had always wanted an amazing watch to show off. She started to walk deeper into the forest. A flicker of movement caught her eye, and she looked up quickly. There was nothing there. Leslie flushed to no one. She continued toward the watch and reached out to grab it. She picked it up and stared at it. But then something quite strange happened. Something not quite right. The watch started to look a little less shiny. And a little less and a little less. Now that it had lost its bright, eye-drawn quality, Leslie watched in sudden fear as the watch got slimy. It started to transform from a circle to a sphere, and the golden color of it became white while the actual clock morphed into a blackish color. The watch had transformed into an eye, an eye with an abnormally large black pupil that glared at Leslie with hatred. She screamed and dropped the eye, which rotated to stare at her again. Another movement. Leslie looked up, and this time she couldn't 
persuade herself that it was nothing, that it was just a figment of her imagination, because there was a figure standing in the shadow of a tree. Leslie screamed even louder, but couldn't seem to be able to get her feet to move. The figure extended an arm. The arm was holding something. Leslie stared at the figure and at the arm. The figure stepped closer to her and raised the arm. Leslie saw what was in its hand and shrieked with all her might, hoping, praying that someone might would come running to her aid, not to save her, but to take her place as a sacrifice for the thing. For nothing, nothing would ever in her mind come close to defeating this thing that was staring at her, grinning from ear to terrifying ear. People of Warner didn't help Leslie Matthews, not because they didn't hear her screams, but because they were too afraid to try and defend against what so gruesomely murdered Henry Tucker. By six o'clock, Samantha Tucker alerted the town that Leslie hadn't come to her house, and it was assumed that Leslie was the victim of the killer. Everyone in the town crept into their homes, except the brave who talked about the hill they'd go into the forest where the screams had come from and rescue Leslie. It was clear to even the most naive that Leslie Matthews was dead. Eventually, all of them went into their houses as well. At 6.30, the streets of Warner were empty, even though there were still about 15 minutes left of sunlight. There were, however, several people who were peeking through their blinds or at a corner of their window curtain. These people were the ones that was often incredible just after dark. They saw Leslie Matthews walking down the streets of Warner, as if she had not just been murdered. Watching people consider leaving their homes and greeting Leslie, they considered alerting their loved ones that Leslie was alive. But in the end, none of them did. They just watched until Leslie was out of view, and wondered what would have happened if they had left the safety of their houses. And then they shuddered. Leslie Matthews was nowhere to be seen in the morning. Although those who watched her walk down their street were believed. Even though everyone knew that Leslie was dead, they also knew that the dead walking wasn't the strangest thing going on in Warner. Everyone tried to stay inside as much as they could, and the rumor that the creatures or things or killers couldn't kill inside a home, like vampires, there were even rumors that the things were vampires, was adopted. Most people believed all the rumors, no one doubted that something wasn't right. That was what was even stranger at Warner, the willingness to believe. Almost every other town in the world would think that it was simply a serial killer, deranged but human, but not in Warner. Warner had strange things happen before. In 1756, Bird Factory started manufacturing wheat instead of bread, and all of its workers developed a love of eating wheat and a hate of bread. In 1678, Workers were on strike against the town's mayor when they all disappeared and reappeared behind whatever chair the mayor was sitting in whenever he sat down, disappearing again when he got off. The mayor eventually went insane and hung himself. Ironically, he didn't make the rope long enough and ended up choking while sitting on the chair he had spit on while a music worker watched happily. And in 1541, the year after the town was founded, the founder, James Warner, and they had hundreds of bees start stinging his face until he died. But none of these things compare to what was happening to the town of Warner in 1982. By the end of July 5th, there was an unfeeling of an ease in the air. Everyone again went home early. 
And again, people wash their blinds or window curtains. This time, much more of them, because there was also a feeling that something even worse was happening. And soon. Hello again, listeners. I hope you enjoyed the premiere episode of Something's Not Right. Remember to listen to the second episode when it is released to find out more about the strange events in the town of Warren. Goodbye.